we're a data company that happens to track marketing. We're not marketers that happen to be tech. We're techies through and through. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. And today we have Scott DeGrossier, who is the CEO of Wicked Reports, which helps you track and measure the performance of your marketing and advertising effectively. Scott has been building databases since he was 11 years old. And in fact, at 15, he was banned from a main fantasy baseball auction for analyzing player statistics <laughs> and feeding them to his high school coach, who won going away. And also, before founding Wicked Reports, Scott worked as a senior database architect for Motorola and Apartments.com. And after building and losing one company, he became an Infusionsoft consultant. company created a special position for him as a PPC analyst in the Infusionsoft Accelerators. Then he learned firsthand how difficult it was for online companies to get accurate data about the effectiveness of marketing programs and that people could not get exact sales data from Google Analytics, which has led to Wicked Reports. So, Scott, how's it going? It's going awesome, Eric. You know, I get a nice giggle of that intro. Think it makes me, you know, relive how I got to this point. So it's really fun to hear, like the the journey, my own personal journey of how I came to be able to help people with data driven marketing is is fun to relive. So I'm psyched. I'm psyched to be here. People always talk about like, you know, do you ever regret anything from the past? And I always think like everything builds up to who you are, and that that's the case, right? It really does. Um, in a lot of ways that you never see, you know, I first really it was impacted by that when I read Steve Jobs' autobiography and he talked about going to calligraphy and how it affected how he designed the Apple phone and um, not on the same level as Steve Jobs. But in a similar way, like I was wired in trying to use systems to predict like horse races up in Maine. Not because I was a degenerate gambler. I was betting $2 a race, but just because I like to use systems to try to predict things. It's like what I was wired to do. And fortunately, I found a good outlet in helping small businesses grow rather than sitting at a horse track somewhere. Awesome, man. Well, tell tell us a little more about kind of, you you know, I I gave people a little taste of your story. But um, yeah, talk about your story a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are and and, uh, a little more about Wicked Reports. Sure. So... We're, we're, I think, a little unique from what I've seen in that we're a data we're a data company that happens to track marketing. We're not marketers that happen to be tech. We're techies through and through. And that helps because um, what we do, which is tracking you know, marketing attribution, is a tricky tech puzzle to solve. And I've always been fascinated. Like I was a day trader before it was cool back in like 96, 97 because I was always fascinated with how am I going to take numbers – and try to make sense of what they're telling me and can I actually tell what's going to happen based on these numbers. I've just always been drawn to that idea back when I was doing trying to predict horses or trying to predict dog track winners or day trading or then at Motorola when I was like, how are we going to leverage all this data at Motorola to make better phones or to deploy people better? It's just like what I was wired in. 
And so I was at apartments.com as their only remote employee of a thousand people. And it was like off the books, remote employee. They didn't allow it. And I just happened to be running some reasonably important systems. So they let me do it. And I knew that was going to come to an end. So I started freelance Infusionsoft consulting because I enjoyed Infusionsoft at the time. And my friend needed some help. And it was just like 2014. He was selling lobsters online. So you could go to his website and buy lobster and it would be shipped to you either live or frozen. And he calls me up. It was like like February 2014. He's like, Facebook doesn't work for lobster. And I was like, oh, really? Why is that? And he said, well, I spent 4,000 bucks and I only got one sale. I lost my shirt. And four grand for an SMB to spend on marketing, you know, that's not only like probably the whole budget for the month. And he was pretty stressed out. And I was like, well, why don't you, I mean, you could try, you know, all these marketers say, you know, get the leads off Facebook and then, you know, send them emails, try to sell them. Why not do that? And he said, well, how am I going to know if it works or not? And I looked around and there was nothing that was really plausible, easy or repeatable or maintainable or scalable. Any, any of those that could really work for him. And I was shocked. And so I hacked something together and we were able to tell them that women 40 to 60 that like the Patriots or the Red Sox but didn't live in New England were worth 10 to 1 in three months. And that like unlocked this whole thing with Facebook with him and like blew him away. I was excited. You know, he could test some, an idea and actually see if his sales backed up an idea. And it turned into he's literally made over one and a half million dollars in three years on Facebook. And he was never going to advertise again on it. Wow. So that got me thinking, hey, I think I have a product here. And that's kind of like the journey to Wicked Report started right there. Great. And so, I mean, how does it, just to even preface this, I mean, a lot of our clientele on the agency side of things, people are always like, you know, Eric, we got this attribution problem. You know, we just don't know how to tie what to what. Even to the, in today's tech world, a lot of these are SaaS companies. They've raised venture funds and all that. So I guess the question for you would be, this is uh, passing the ball back over to you. How does Wicked Reports work exactly? How does it help people? Well, um, so we've been around, you know, just under three years and we've been able to track I think it's 1.7 or 1.8 billion in SMB transactions. So it's not like we had one big business that did a billion and then a couple other businesses that did 100 million. It's like about a thousand businesses, actually maybe a little more, that have done um, all their little, you know, small, medium-sized transactions. We're able to see patterns. And what we're able to find was, you know, the, from the first click to the first purchase, the average was 44 days, which blew my mind. So that means half of the people we've tracked their average is longer than that. And so we have to figure out a way to be able to answer questions. Cause like when I was an Infusionsoft consultant, I was running paid campaigns back then. It was like, hey, where did we find these new leads that are now buying? Where is this great high value customer? Where did they come from? And the existing platforms try to track based on the last thing that happened. And that is helpful but it doesn't answer where did you find them because you're not basically going to find someone and convert them to a sale immediately, regardless of whatever guru of the month is telling you. It just doesn't usually happen. So what I what I ended up inventing, and it's actually just about patented. It takes like three years to get a patent, and I'm like literally, I hope, I think it's a month away, maybe two months, was the idea that we can wire into your email system and figure out when someone was created. And then we can look at everything you're doing, either email, Facebook, AdWords, social posts, Instagram, podcasts, whatever, and put timestamps on everything and then compare it to when they were created in your email system. 
And then if it was before they were created in your email system, then it is more likely than not that that was what created the new lead. And then when we detect sales weeks or months later, hopefully weeks, but you know, you never know, we can track that revenue back to that point that created them in your email system because that's where you found the new lead. And then when you want to find new leads, you go and say, hey, what worked on finding new leads that buy in the past? Because I'm going to go back there, almost like a fishing hole. It's kind of similar. Hey, that's where I found all these fish. Let's go back there and fish again because it took a while to catch them. But when I did, they were great fish that were tasty at dinner and, you know, they were plentiful. It just took a while to catch them. But now I know I can go back there. And there was nothing like that that took the concept of time that it takes to close someone that did it effectively and easily without the business owner having a lot of work to do, a lot of configuration and risk, you know, a lot of um, pixel tracking, which is tricky because people are on recurring billing or you take a order over the phone or your orders are in Stripe, but your CRM is in FusionSoft, so it's not connected. There's all these things I had to deduce. But I was able to do it because, you know, the obstacle is the way you kind of learn as you go that you need to have it soundly based in math and then translate it in a way that a SMB can make a decision. So that's kind of how we came about with attributing based on let's look at what happens in the CRM and what happens in the order systems and then layer over all the info of the inbound clicks or custom events that happen so we can answer questions that grow businesses. Love it. And what kind of people are you targeting here? And then also, how do you generally charge? So our charge, our pricing, I'm finally happy with our pricing model. And it's very tricky to price in any business. I empathize with everyone going through it. We've you know, gone through a couple pricing models. We're finally happy. And ours is tied to the revenue that you generate. So we charge based on revenue generated. And then if you, you can have unlimited users, unlimited tracked events, unlimited everything. And if we, if your business doesn't grow, we don't get to charge any more money, no matter what you can unlock. All our features are unlocked. You can use all of them to grow. And so uh, we started 199 a month up to a million dollars of annual revenue. And then every additional million dollars is $49 a month. Mm. So it was like 0.04. It was like some infinitesimal amount that could give us a little bit of profit at the same time where you have skin in the game with the businesses we're in. Cause I mean, I could go upstream and just serve bigger businesses like where I used to work and live in Motorola in apartments.com. But I'm really committed to, you know, the, the half a million to $25 million businesses that, you know, need the edge data can give them, but it's, it's hard to get the right data and then act on it. So that's, you know, our laser focus is there. Great. And how did you go about coming out with the pricing model? So I ended up, uh, a friend of mine in Boston is, goes by the name of Patrick Campbell. He runs a company, Price Intelligently. He has two companies, one's Price Intelligently, one's Profit Wealth. And they have a pricing methodology. And we actually went to one of their pricing workshops. And you survey your existing customers with a specific process. And one interesting thing is, rather than a sur- the survey is very... Uh, uh, what's the right word? It's very deliberate in how it asks questions. So you have to rank things against themselves. So you have to choose a best and a worst rather than saying, oh, I like all these options. And so one of them is what's your willingness to pay based on features or based on what's called the value metric. And for us, the value metric is we're trying to grow businesses faster using data. 
So we need to actually have skin in the game and say, if we can, if your business grows, then we get, you know, an extra $49 every million dollars you make. That's a pretty fair trade in value, I hope. And if not, then you know what? We're not for you. If you can't agree with that equation, then you can't value data at $49 per million dollars of revenue, then there's nothing I can do to help you. You know, it's just not going to work. So it was, it was through talking to our customers and seeing what they value, why are they using marketing data, how do we get around what they value and how we can provide it. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely recommend. I mean, check out Patrick's stuff. Um, he's been on this podcast in the past as well. Pricing, super, super important to lever. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, he's great. So going back to, uh, I mean, right now, you guys, what, um, what ad platforms do you integrate with and what are the plans for the future? So we integrate with Facebook very deeply. We're a Facebook marketing partner. We auto track your Facebook ads. So when you authorize your your OAuth, it's called, it's a techie term, but basically with a couple clicks, you've said, hey, Wicked Reports can pull my Facebook data. We are then going to auto track all your ads. We'll push up an ID that we can then deduce who you were targeting, what ad and what campaign, and then it came from Facebook automatically. Uh, We do that with AdWords also. We have a tracking template. Additionally, we push up your orders into Facebook if you opt in for that so that Facebook can auto optimize whoever you're targeting based on who's most similar to your existing customers that are buying. So it's a very powerful feature and it also connects offline sales to online activity. And we're able then we're the only people that I'm aware of that are using that for attribution. So if you have a sale offline or online, as long as we send it up to Facebook, we can connect it back to the ad that they were last seen. Currently, it's AdWords and Facebook only. And then we, we have uh, ways to integrate with Taboola, Outbrain, and um, there's another one. We have ways to integrate with them using UTMs, and then it's a little more manual. So it's doable, but it's, I like it when you don't have to do anything. As an SMP, you know, you're busy. You don't want to have like another thing to do, but with our integrations, we've got to make it, you know, one click and that's it. So is the goal to continue to stay with, um, with SMBs? Cause I see a lot of potential. I think we were talking about this before the call, how every, like every enterprise mid-market client that we're talking to right now has attribution issues. And I see this as the future and I'm sure you have competitors out there. Do you plan to stay with SMB or? My plan is to stay with SMB, but within reason. So everyone has a different definition of SMB. And for us, we want you spending $100 a day on advertising because that means we're going to have enough data to give you a decision that you can either grow your business or stop wasting money within two weeks. And so that gives us enough flow. You know, we analyzed again, you know, almost 2 billion in SMB transactions to know, hey, as long as it's $100 a day, we can definitely give you insights. Or if you have a massive following on social and you're not doing paid ad, which would be puzzling, you should do paid. But if you didn't, we could track, you know, is your Instagram profile bringing you money? Or are all these emails you're sending, does anyone care? And if they care enough to click, do they care enough to buy after? But that's like a litmus test of 100 a day, which I don't know how much revenue that means. You know, some companies are funded, some have different, you know, approaches to marketing. But we like to say, are you spending three grand a month, which means 100 a day on paid acquisition? And if so, then we're going to be a good fit for you. Makes sense. And so for like these other, the, even the outbrains of Tabulas, maybe even other channels too, if people wanted to add in like LinkedIn, for example, is it just a matter of UTM codes? It is. So LinkedIn, we're looking at an integration there because, you know, we're sniffing around at advertising there ourselves. Yeah. And UTM codes work fine with 
we don't generally need UTM codes for a lot of the systems, um, but we try to make it easy so you don't need to worry about doing that stuff. But with LinkedIn, if you use UTMs, you can then track the performance and then you can take any set of UTMs and punch in the cost and then we can show you actual ROI. Makes sense. Okay, and so what kind of numbers can you reveal around the business today? How's it doing? All that other kind of cool stuff. Sure. We're at 1.2 million ARR. We have 390, uh, I think, two or three customers. So we've been in business about almost three years. And we've uh, basically doubled each year we've been in business. So we did like, when we first started out, you know, we only integrated with Infusionsoft with this very complicated uh, tech criteria. Yeah. And we, you know, I mean, the first year as a SaaS, we did maybe, you know, like a hundred and something grand while we were like, you know, hand to mouth, just getting this thing going and learning every customer what we needed to do. Mm-hmm. And then we got overhauled the platform a couple times to now where it's finally, I'm finally content with it, which took forever. Well, it feels like forever. It took three years. <laughs> but now our actual integrations are very seamless. We have a Zapier integration. We have the, the tech behind Zapier is called HTTP Post. So if you're not doing Zapier, you can set up a, basically a URL when someone orders or opts into a list and send it to us. And we have CSV uploaders. So we can integrate with any system. And that's recent, only like two weeks old. So that opens up like now. We used to only maybe be able to demo one out of every four people that came to our site trying to getting interested because we made them we, we asked them where your marketing leads coming from and where your sales coming from. And then if they pick things that meant we couldn't integrate or was going to be difficult, you know, because we have an API, but you had to go wire that up, then we wouldn't give them a live demo. And so now as of, you know, a week ago, we can demo anyone for any reason. I mean, this definitely works for anything, you know, let's say you're doing Stripe, it works for like, let's say you're buying, you know, e-commerce products or even like, you know, software, for example. But for us, you know, as a services-based business, at least the agency side, you are saying now that we can use Zapier and then hook it in with like, like a QuickBooks invoice, for example, and that will reflect inside of Wicked Reports? Exactly. So we have Zaps for orders or for contacts. So anyway, as long as you can map the fields we need from the other system, which is uh, yeah, QuickBooks, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I mean, the possibilities are endless. You can have a Google Sheet and you just paste in things that we then wire over based on this is, is unlimited. And that's been a a big governor on growth, but at the same time, it forced us to get uh, really good at how do we translate this data into action so that someday when we can take in any data, we just don't want to show you a pie chart or a grid that you got to go watch 10 hours of courses. And nothing, I mean, I love courses and love learning, but we want to make it for Wicked Reports that can we get you to make a decision fast without having to do a lot of learning unless you, I mean, I love teaching and I have all that courses available, but is do you, you have some great courses, Eric, I think as well, but some people, they just like, Hey, yeah, great. I bought this though. And I need, and I want value. I don't want to have to go think more. Right. So that really put a challenge to us to like, what questions are you trying to answer here? And can we translate all this data into answers? And that's where we put a lot of focus and like our wicked reports, I call it 2.0, our big evolution of the platform is arriving June 1st. So this is a timely podcast where it's like, the product's finally done on all fronts. I'm really like giddy. <laughs> it's a lot more. That's so huge. Yeah, the fact that you just told me that right now makes it much easier for me to recommend the, the tool even more because I thought there were some limitations around kind of service-based businesses, but now it's just like, hey, like just go to Wicked Reports. So thank you for that. But 
Let's talk about V2. What is V2? What do you have coming down the pipeline? So one thing we have is the ability to track basically anything. And so it's always bugged me that you have to click on something and then we know something happened. But at the same time, if you view something and most platforms aren't going to give us the view, but a lot of marketing occurs in a lot of different ways. For example, one of my clients uh, is the guy Jason Moore from Modus Operandi Wine Cellars. So he's he literally is a you know he's in Napa. He's got his own small wine brand, which I love by the way. And so he's doing wine events. And so it's like so he's doing an event in person. How are we going to show that these are probably going to be valuable because, you know, you have a wine tasting and, you know, people buy a case, hopefully, or a bottle or maybe nothing. But maybe because of the tasting, they end up buying. But we couldn't show that value. And it's a key part of his business. And so what we came up with was this idea of custom events. So you can send us basically the fact that something happened to someone and call it whatever you want. So in his case, I hosted this wine tasting the other night at my house because he happened to be heading out to Nantucket for the Nantucket Wine Festival this weekend. So he was coming into town. I loved his wine, hosted wine tasting for my friends. So he can take those emails in um, his CRM and trigger a uh, HTTP post. It's basically like a zap. We have the zap also, so you can zap anything. And he's just going to put in wine tasting at Scott's house or whatever he wants, just whatever's going to make sense to him. And then he can punch in however much it costs, you know, like let's say it was $1,500 in wine or I don't even know what it cost him. So he punches that in, but then the emails that he sends up, we have that attributable point in time that they were at my house at a wine tasting. And then if they end up buying, which people did buy, my friends were, the ones we invited were pretty into wine, so I, I'm hoping he did pretty good. But if they like recur bill or he charges them, however he's doing it, We'll have it back to that wine event is how they first started buying or first heard about them. And so this is a huge deal because service-based businesses where you have to do things that are never going to have clicks or like a lawyer office where you have a uh, sit-down meeting or a doctor appointment before they're going to have maybe an expensive process or surgery or whatever. All these things are like Wicked Reports. We'd have demos which maybe people didn't hopefully clicked on, but then the salesman had to rebook them and we want to see the real timeline of what happened. We'll be able to track all these things just as if it was a click. So that's, that's a pretty big deal. I'm really excited about that. Awesome. So that's, that's coming down the pipeline. And then uh, are the pricing you guys have already figured that out. Is there anything else that you guys are adding any other bells and whistles? There is There's there's actually three other monster things. We've been quiet and we're a big product driven tech driven company. That's what got us, you know, to seven figure ARR was pretty much all strength of product And our, our other one is we have a, uh, the concept of benchmarking because pretty much everyone, I mean, leads take time to buy as much as you hope you can get them to buy right away. You can do a tripwire that funds your offer and all those different things are all wonderful. But the fact remains if you're a niche brand, you're a small business, you're advertising online, it takes a little while for a new lead to become a customer. And so what I was challenged with was pre-Wicked Reports 2.0, people would buy, they come in and look at data, and it all showed negative 100% ROI or negative like 90 or 80 because the new leads were taking maybe two weeks to a month to buy or two months, hopefully as quick as possible, obviously, but they take a while. And so I'm like, how can I help people while they're like staring at a campaign and it's been a week and a few leads have bought, 
but they're running it in the red, what should they do? And what a lot of people do is can't is stop running it because the leads haven't bought. Sometimes that's the right decision. Sometimes it isn't. So it dawned on me, hey, I'm sitting on 1.7 billion in transactions. Why not bring in the benchmarks of how everyone that we've ever tracked has done trying to buy new leads that become customers? How did their campaigns look at one day, five days, seven days, these different time intervals for all these different stats to give context to what you're looking at? So you're not just staring at a thing trying to figure out geez, my leads haven't seemed to buy that quickly. Do they normally buy fast for other people of either my business size or all of Wicked or my historical Wicked reports data? When I had this other campaign that made me 500%, was it because they bought in three days or did they take 30 days to buy? Like, give me some frame of reference and context behind what I'm looking at. So I feel very passionate that this is like a huge game changer for people to actually know how they're doing. So that, that one's a pretty pretty substantial upgrade that we're giddy about. It's actually in test right now and I'm dying to release it. So but it's a lot of a lot of data to vet that it's accurate and that it's helpful and is it gonna mislead people? Because we want them so we're basically showing you like lifetime value of a lead at seven days is currently let's say ten dollars. I mean hopefully more, but let's say it's ten. Is that better or worse than average? for everyone we've ever tracked, or for businesses of your size, or against other campaigns you've run based on that seven day point and based on what you're trying to do, which let's say it's new lead generation, or it could be existing leads retargeting, or it could be trying to get people to buy. So you, you gotta figure the intent in there, which then changes how we track the data, which then changes how the benchmarks show themselves to you all done in the background so you don't have to like take some you know try to figure out what i'm trying to tell you we kind of intuitively try to set attribution and benchmarks for you based on what you inform us you're trying to do i love it this is a no-brainer i'm going to be talking about this a lot more you know you're going to be hearing about wicked reports a lot more scott working towards wrapping up here just a couple more questions from my side i guess you said 392 customers, right? Mm -hmm. How did you go about getting, let's just say, the first 50 paying customers? Yeah, so the first 50, so I, I had a, I wanted to, you know, I had done two other businesses. One was a, a contract IT programming firm, which was doing well, but it, I just didn't love it. I wasn't passionate about building other people's systems where it was like just charging for time. It just it killed me to charge for time. Nothing wrong with it. A lot of people do it. I just, it wasn't for me. And then I had a meditation website that didn't do that well. Cause I had like really bad marketing ideas that I wasn't able to test. I had just like ideas I'd read online. I go test them and I not go test them. I go do them. And in hindsight, they didn't work that well. And so what I did when I, so when I had the lobster guy and we had that success, I went to, I was an Infusionsoft certified partner and I went to Michael Edelman who ran the partner program and I said, hey, I'd like to run a webinar. I have an interesting thing. We can track the ROI of marketing. And he's like, that sounds interesting. So I got on a demo with him and he was like excited. And then I, so what I did was present to the Infusionsoft at the time and it was their um, mastermind program. So you had to opt in. I think you had to pay to be in this program. And from that, I sold like $30,000 in pivot tables which is like a very rudimentary tech crazy way to try to interpret the data. And it was a brutal upload process. It took me like six hours to update anyone's pivot table. 
I created a really nasty job for myself, but I vetted the idea with paying customers. I saw these SaaSes that are like building stuff for free and then they're gonna figure out how to get people to buy. And I'm like, that may work in a few cases. And when it does, you know what? It's, it becomes news that everyone knows about because it's really hard to pull off. So for me, I wanted people to actually pay up front to prove there was demand so I didn't waste a lot of time building something that no one would pay for because I wasn't really sure. You know, you have an idea, you're excited, you need to vet it out. And so from that webinar, I got maybe 10 customers. And then from that, I met Ralph Burns and Keith Krantz. You know, they're uh, well-known on their uh, digital marketer podcast and Tier 11 and a few other things. They were uh, really into what I was doing, so they probably bought me, brought me, I don't know, 10, 15 customers. And then from that, Frank Kern was using it, and then he would post on Facebook unsolicited, no idea. He post a Facebook Live showing how to use our software when I didn't even know. He didn't like want an affiliate link. I didn't. It was very nice of him. And then all of a sudden, people would be flooding us with demand. So it was kind of a unique thing where I didn't have to reverse engineer my marketing funnel with my own data, it was like word of mouth that kind of, it was such a pent up, I guess as Gary Halbert, the copywriter would say, show me a starving market and that's what I needed and that's where you want to go and that's kind of how it happened. So two things I'm hearing here. So one thing is, you know, uh, I heard like a kind of pre-launch strategy where you didn't really have the product, but you, you you sold a bunch of pivot tables, right? And, you know, that validated uh, the thing. So a lot of people, I think that the struggle is, or the problem is they spend all this time creating this product. And then at the end of the day, you spend all this blood, sweat and tears and nobody wants it. So you did it the smart way. You validated it first and then you created a product. That's, that's the first thing, right? That's the first thing for sure. Second thing is, you know, you, you slowly painstakingly reached out to, you know, some influencers in this space. And then on the basis of a strong product, word of mouth started to happen. And then you got, then you guys started to get demand. So those two things Does that sound about right. Yeah. And now that you mentioned that, I forgot a big third thing. So yeah, I launched April, 2015 at icon. What's icon just for people to know. Yeah. Icon was the Infusionsoft event. And I didn't even know all this particulars of we, we would custom set up every tracking scenario because we were still learning as we went. So we didn't have it all figured out. So at that booth, uh, at the different booths, Ryan Dice was at the digital marketer one. He would be in his booth back then. You know, he was small time and I went, <laughs> well, for him. And so I went up to him and I'm like, hey, Ryan, how do you know which email uh, made the sale? Because you're selling the machine at the time they were selling a uh, email follow-up sequence called the machine. You know, it made them you know millions or whatever. It may put them on the map. And he's like, "Oh, that'd be cool. We 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 can't tell." And I was like, "Well, really?" And he was like, "Yeah, we we don't. How how would we be able to tell that?" And I was like, "Well, I have a way to to tell it." And to their credit, they were very open to hearing from a upstart with my freshly printed. Wicked Report silk screen shirt from like a week ago, had bought the domain three weeks before the event and uh, they were very open to it and they were like my 10th customer and they really got behind us and stayed with all the iterations. So having that backing was helpful and that gave a lot of, um, they were, the influencers are very open to helping if you're going to help them. So instead of saying, I have a product and I want you to sell it, will you pitch my stuff? You know, they get bombed with that stuff. And I wasn't I was honestly like hopeful that he said he didn't have a way to track email revenue at the time so that I could help him and, of course, get him as a customer. 
But I, I figured he would know otherwise, but he was really like, wow, would this help my business? I'm excited. You can help me. So yes, I'm interested in being a customer. And, and the, uh, the, the, you know, I would put yourself in that category too, probably. If someone came to you with some way, if they're going to be able to help you with something to grow your business and it's novel and it could be helpful, then you're, you can get excited about it. And that can help that business grow because they're helping you. And then you feel like, hey, I'll help you back. And that, that was a key point of our strategy that wasn't even a strategy. It was in hindsight it's what occurred. When you look at it that in that lens where you just go help people first, all the good things happen afterwards. And it, it has it has actually happened in, in you know between us because like I, I talk about it all the time. I talk about it on the marketing school podcast. We're talking about it right here. But I see now that you can track in, in, in so many different ways, I'm like, I'm gonna talk about it even more. So yeah, Scott, one more question for you. What is one must-read book you recommend to everyone? Oh man, that is so hard to pick one. I'm trying to decide. I think I'd go with the Surrender Experiment by Mickey Singer. What's that one? So this is a—it's more of a spiritual self-help book, but not woo-woo. But this guy was—you um, know—people that are getting into meditation or they're—you know—spiritually seeking. This book spoke to me particularly because so this guy was like 22 years old, Mickey Singer. It's an autobiography of him of his spiritual growth, and what he had decided was he was sick of always hearing his thoughts or hearing his preferences come up automatically. Um, and you, you hear about mindfulness, uh, maybe, or you hear about maybe you should meditate. And this guy was just irritated that whenever a topic came up, his mind would race in with thoughts and opinions and likes and dislikes. And it was driving him crazy and he wanted to stop. So he decided to surrender to whatever life gave him. And that was what he was going to do no matter what. And it tracks from that point in time where he decided that he slowly grew a billion dollar software company and sold it to WebMD. And he's behind the scenes talking about how like he'd be presented with situations and he wouldn't want to do them because he was an introvert or he just, but he had decided to surrender to life. So he always, I, I don't know what, you know, there's some specifics in there, but within reason, he was always just saying yes to whatever was in front of himself rather than have a preference. And he scaled a billion-dollar software company in the middle of nowhere, Florida, and sold it. What, what's what's the book called? I'm I'm literally about to buy it right now. Yeah, well, there's two. There's the Surrender Experiment. And then he has another one called um, the Untethered Soul. Oh, I've heard about that one. Yeah, so that one, the Surrender Experiment, was him living the life that led to the Untethered Soul. Huh. So I love that it's it's applied spirituality, real time as he was faced with it, not like, you know, a guru sitting in Lotus, like pontificating about how you need to live life. It was him, like his challenges and how he felt and wait a minute, I'm, there's this spiritual village building and I want to be alone in the woods. And, okay. you know, I talk about his, his wife and he didn't want to like be married. And now it's like this love interest, but he wants to be, you know, just meditate and build software. And, it was a, wow. It's fascinating. I, I can't speak highly enough about it. So that is amazing. I'm looking at it. Great question. I know you're gonna ask that. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. Wow. Well, I mean, this is a book I've never heard about before, and I'm looking at Audible right now. It's got three thousand reviews, four and a half star rating. So clearly, I've been living under a rock. Maybe I'm gonna get the other one too. <laughs> I'm literally buying it as as you're talking right now. But um, yeah, Scott, this is the this has been really really good. I wish we could talk even more. Maybe we should do another one, but. What's the best way for people to find you online? Uh, wickerreports.com is always the best way. 
and you know um, if you're interested in the software you can we get a link with uh we have transparent pricing as i already mentioned on the podcast and or you can click on the demo link and get a one-on-one demo which will show you you know how we can help you and so if you're spending at least a hundred dollars a day on paid advertising we generally can at a minimum find where you're spending on things that don't bring business and at a, a, a higher you know at a more hopefully valuable proposition, we're going to find where you should spend to find more customers that become high value over time. Incredible. Scott, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Eric. It was a blast. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.